Well, I went to a mixer about becoming a sommelier. Trying to be an actor? Is that like a pirate? No, that's a sommelier. What'd you say? Sommelier. Y'all know Kelly Kendrick dated a Somalian. He stole her identity. That's horrible. Is she okay? I don't know. I don't be up in people's business like that. Then why did you bring it up? That don't make no sense. Why are you going to ask her? supposed to be in front of my brain. She never said anything about that. Hey, that's what I Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at Nomcast Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow me at Jokes on Drew. All right, very excited for this one. We have actor, screenwriter, and critic from the Minorities Report film podcast, Mr. Colby Mack, is on the show today to help me break down the feature film debut for the creator of HBO's Insecure, Prentice Penny, with a film entitled uncorked the film centers around elijah played by mamoudou athi from such netflix projects as the get down and unicorn store as he tries to balance his dream of becoming a master sommelier with his father's expectation that he will carry on the family's memphis barbecue joint there are a few spoilers ahead so please watch the film if you haven't already and come back to hear myself and mr colby mack break this one down from grape to glass for more info on Colby, go to colbytoldme.com for all his reviews, podcasts, and social media info. And of course, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, the Nomcast, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. Okay, here it is, the review of Uncorked with that man, Colby Mack. Give a listen. On the line, straight from the den and dirty, dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Film Twitter legend and French trap music enthusiast, Colby Mack is on the line. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're here, right? I mean, it's just exactly. French trap music. Oh, yes. That's what I'm coming for. That's what brings you to the pot. Yeah, I, I mean, because uh, after watching I Lost My Body, where they had French hip-hop in there, that I was like, what the fuck is this? This is so good. And then, yeah. like, you pop on this movie, and then they get into Paris, and it's more French trap music. I'm like, what is happening right now? I'm with it. I think I prefer this than regular trap music, and I live in Atlanta, so. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, we're not here for that. <laughs> but everybody's just going to get an education into our into our music uh, likings from here on out. But yes, I mean, but this this movie, I, I I have to be thankful to you. Like I said to you off air, where it's just you know you popped on immediately on film Twitter, which I'm constantly on, and you were just like, this is a movie, especially for what Netflix had coming out has been pushing out in 2020, which is not the good. good uh, at all yeah. at this point, uh, I think uh, at one point when we were, uh, I was doing the Crip Camp episode. I was like, "Jesus, is Horse Girl the best we're gonna get by this I, point?" I, I really hope not. I know. <laughs> I need. I I am committed to watch Horse Girl again. Yeah. I just it is. It's gonna be really really tough. It's a weird rewatch. It's <laughs> it a, is a yeah. It is. Oh man, like it's this is the one thing I will give Netflix credit for. They like you can never knock their production value in almost any film that they produce. Sure, like, and, and that's the one thing. Like with my critical eye, 
objectively, are they employing, you know, effective uses of filmmaking when it comes to camera? Right. Well, yeah. yeah. Sound. Yes. The music that they score, even the way that they cast a lot of these films, objectively, like it's not bad. Yeah. It's just that when it comes to story, like, you know, you have those different, you know, studios where like an A24, you kind of know the type of movie that you're going to get when you get an A24 movie or For an Annapurna sure. movie um, or a yeah, Neon Blum movie House or something like the that, same. right? Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Disney, you know what you're going to get. MCU, obviously, you know what you're going to get. You know, WB, you know, you, you have a little bit like WB, Universal, Paramount, their scope of films is a lot wider. Yeah. But there's there's almost a standard that they've set for themselves, some good and some bad. Where for Netflix, it's kind of hard to guess what that standard is. Very I true. Mean, when you look at their 2019, obviously, the. I would, I would say the past three years where Netflix has really stepped up its game in regards to its movies, right? Because before yes. that, all you had was a beast of no nation. And yeah, they got lucky was, early and then it dove did. off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't know if they really had a focus into it because like me, like one, I didn't understand how their numbers work. I still kind of don't. Like I, that was not what was driving their business. No. Right? Um, when it was easy to own everyone else's content and have it all housed right there. If you wanted movies, you subscribe to their DVD service, which right. is a phenomenal service that nobody uses. Um, but then when they realized, okay, we can go this other way and kind of wrap it up, ratchet up our production and make ourselves a legitimate studio in the eyes of people in Hollywood, let's go this route. Let's work with the names, like big, big names. Who yeah demand more attention and like obviously in 2018 where you had roma and in 2019 you've had i mean inside of my top 25 of the year you've got granted it wasn't very high of the top 25 sure. but like i will respect martin scorsese and what he did with his crime epic in the irishman and yeah obviously had you know um you know just outside of my top 10 you get um, um uh, dolomite is my name you yeah marriage story inside of my top five like it is impressive that it's weird I see that N on there. They don't seem like Netflix movies to me somehow. Sure. You know, it's, 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 I think because the perception is changing because for a while yes. there, it was all, you know, kind of, you felt like you were just getting tricked by an algorithm into watching a movie. <laughs> yes. And then now it seems like they've, they've had this smart, strong backing of finding content creators who they versus like, they'll give a chance or on a, uh, a person who they know as a known quantity, like a Noah Baumbach, mm -hmm. Martin Scorsese, et cetera. Obviously, this year they got Fincher to come. They got mm -hmm. Spike Lee to come. So, yeah. you know, they're going to have a big year. It's just early on. <laughs> yeah. We're all swimming in uh, Netflix's early first quarter returns. Um, but movies like this is a big example uh, where, you know, Prentice Penny is mostly from a TV background. Yep. So, you know, a showrunner for Insecure on HBO, previously uh, was an EP on uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well, and Girlfriends and some other shows, uh, Scrubs, I believe, as well. So, you know, a big TV pedigree, and then they'll go, okay, what do you want to do? What is your story? And then, you know, or maybe something comes to them that's a mostly finished or finished product from these type of people that it's like, we're going to be the person who's going to bring you in for distribution because we want to work with you going forward. Yep. And, you know, so obviously this one's a little bit of a different scenario. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good acquisition for them. Who knows where it's going to go, but Prentice Penny also did sign a two-year deal with HBO. So, I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> they're not doing anything anytime soon, but who knows? True. Uh, that, that's very, very true. I, I think it's interesting that 
Netflix never seems or comes across to me like a company that puts their hands in the kitchen along with their cooks, though. Never. Um, I, I, I think Almost that, that to a fault. super respectful. Yeah. And you know what? That, yes, it, it's, it's, that, it, it's that right there where we, we have to recognize they are a new studio, right? Yes. They're going to kind of find what really works for them, right? Yeah. When they need to be completely hands-off, right? And for the most part, auteurs and creatives, they love that, right? Yeah. Um, but then again, you know, sometimes where you... Not you don't, you don't. I feel like no studio really needs to like take effect with story. If if you believe in me, let me take care of story. Sure, right? like that. That's it. Yeah. And and I, I love the story that's at play here because it's like okay, well, how do you market this? Like, who are you marketing this for? Like, we understand the segment of our Netflix like viewers, and and this is where you have to get kind of smart in regards to how you choose to market and distribute a film like this, where. Um, and, and you know, unfortunately they're not as transparent with like viewership unless it's like those cultural touchstones, like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. So I got super excited for this film when I first saw the trailer and like, it's unique. They only re really release trailers about two to three weeks out before they come. I know it drives you know? me crazy as a person it trying to really keep nuts. up with it, but yeah. 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 I mean, that's the one thing that like, I, I, I want like a, I want like a, I want to chart. Like, I just want to know because they're probably sitting on dozens. Well, I'll send of, you my Wikipedia entry. Okay. Well, it's, it's not mine, but uh, yeah. I, what I base my stuff off of, they at least project out a couple okay. months out. Okay. Uh, and and most good, of the I hate waiting until the three days out and then, like, all right, I just got to take, you know, screen fix or screen ran or whatever, screen whatever. Sure. And just have them give me this thing that I have to try to keep up with. But it was interesting to see, like, the push of like how this film was and there was something that was very unique this didn't feel like there's some netflix properties that have this very glossy sheen to it yeah right and for some reason this didn't and i i, I think that all comes from the eye of the director and i see a lot of like interesting things that were done specifically even with the marketing like of this trailer like it spoke to me yeah and a lot of other films that may have also come for like a specific, like I'll, I'll say, well, unfortunately my worst film of the year <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. is a Tyler Perry movie on yep. Netflix. Yeah. And it's interesting to see the differences between the two approaches. Right. And why one works and one doesn't. Right? Yeah. Um, but like this, it, it's just, I love a movie that's about passion and exploring yes. that same and i i, I think it, this is such a unique world that prentice penny built because this is not something that the average american or just anybody who's averaging you know who's watching netflix just it's like oh i'm gonna learn about what a sommelier is yeah i had no clue that that was the proper word to say it i've sure. heard it said before and it's like oh that's how it, that's how that sounds and that's how it's spelled got it yeah you're having <laughs> his family's reaction in real life in real yeah. terms and, and his family is my family. And I right. love when I get a chance to see myself on screen. Like, that's the beauty of representation. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm a big voice for that, especially when it's authentic. And I like that Netflix has a home for this. Yeah. And this film understood that, but wasn't like, wasn't a dying crutch to it. Yeah. You know, and that's where I feel like there's some properties, like some of the Tyler Perry films, where like the crutch is, is that. Hey, if this is a black film and you are black, you are to like this movie, support it regardless. Yeah. And this is a different can, conversation. This, yes. Yeah. This is completely different. And you know what's great is that it also is about identity in a world that's changing. And I love a film that battles like intergenerationality, right? Yeah. Between a father and son. And we don't get a lot of films that focus on relationships between a father and son in this light. 
Right. And it was really, really cool. And I mean, you got Courtney B. Vance, one of the coolest and kindest souls um, that I, I'm glad I got a chance to meet him once at the BET Awards five years ago. Oh, sweet. And like, the man, he's just a sweet man. He's married to one of the most amazing women <laughs> in the world, Angela Bassett. Like, how do you 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 snatch up a goddess yeah. like that? Oh my gosh! Yeah, definitely life goals for me. From yes, that guy. I mean, yeah, he's been around forever since 1990. Yes. I think Hunt for Red October was maybe the first time I saw him, mm-hmm. um, and that's a stupid early memory for me. And, so, and, and you know what? It never really led a movie. No, you know, um, it, it was it was a different time. It was a different landscape for opportunity in Hollywood, where for sure a lot of it is like, uh, who's next? Um, uh, you know, uh, kind of like an African American term on cinema. We're talking about, well, you know, we only allow one or two of y'all to really like lead a movie, and there was always a Denzel, and he hasn't really stopped for sure. Right? Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of room for you know uh, black leads to be able to take the forefront, or who was marketable to studios and executives to be able to sell a movie. But Courtney B. Vance was always a guy that you could rely on to either be a sage figure, you know, a uh, a good second supporting you know guy, and you know, but like he's like he's guy, he's talented. What he does, you know, um, in this role as the, you know as a father here is it, it's really cool because I, I love it um my friend says when a character feels written it doesn't feel like it's really authentic but this like the way that he plays lewis he sounds just like my uncle and the trying times that i had when i was living underneath his roof and we had a different perspective and outlook on life and what his expectations was of me and what i had of myself yeah you know? so this movie spoke to me a lot yeah they I, as i like to say the these characters felt lived in like you definitely had a sense that these people all really took charge because you have a group here outside of, you know, and even in the lead being here, Mamudu, like he's known for kind of early on being kind of like a, a character actor. He's never really gotten the lead thing until now. So you got a bunch of people here are kind of, you know, role players, character actors that are getting a little bigger chunk here, a little bit of meat on the bone as far as like digging into character, finding out and, and working off each other, uh, trying to create this cohesive family unit. And they sell it fast and yeah. very well because I, I think I wrote down somewhere in my notes that it's just like 15, 20 minutes into this movie, you know all the main characters basically. You know the exact plot line and where it's going and all the crisis of conflict. And this is a tight hour and a half and it has no fat on this movie. I've appreciated that, uh, especially as seeing you know <laughs> some of these bloated movies that uh, come out these days. Uh, this is a throwback and also a, a, a glimpse into the future. You were touching on it with... I'll, I'll support basically anything Prentice Penny, I think, does from now on. And I'll tell you why. Oh, yeah. I, I read an article uh, from Uproxx, and it was an absolute gem of an article because it was an interview with Prentice Penny plus uh, extra kind of, you know, review stuff in there. And it was written by Vince Mancini. It's an excellent article. I definitely recommend reading it. And it kind of went into all the things that I wanted to hear from a person like this. And it said things like, you know, A, this is a personal story, which is very common for Netflix. Uh, that they kind of find these content creators, these people who they like their writing, and then go, what do you always want to do but have never gotten to accomplish? And this is one of those movies. And then the other part is kind of taking a movie like this and going, you know, well, 
he would get a lot of notes about this movie when he tried to sell it to other people and it would be exactly what you've seen up to this point. You've seen, oh, well, you know, kind of almost subtly saying kind of like these characters aren't black enough, like that Mm -hmm. bullshit, you know, like it's not hammed up. It's not campy. There's no, you know, there's not enough uh, of all these stereotypical things that either you would see in like, especially you know, the Medea films, or yeah. or even just just I was doing research because I was just like, I can't remember, like kind of a an African American based movie that had a no angle of crime, drugs, cops, like any kind of negative viewing point, and especially in a coming of age movie, mm-hmm. like outside of maybe like a hint of a John's early John Singleton or something that like, maybe you can find one, but man, is there nothing? And it's yeah. horrible. And that's what Prentice Penny said in this article. It was like, how come, you know, how come white people can make Goodwill hunting and can make Manchester by the sea, but you yeah. never see the black experience that way ever where there's enough dignity in the characters to kind of do something. It always either has to be, a goofball comedy like it's Friday or something or it's the serious version of that where it's boys in the hood or it's, you know, or it's something, you know, like the nineties and two thousands were littered with that type of film and you never got to experience like the closest thing to being more of a straight shot was like loving basketball or, you yeah. know, or, uh, <laughs> trying to do something like, uh, whatever. I think like the woods is like maybe sort of, it's easier I mean, palette, but even still, that's not, you know. Well, the, the way that I put it, and, you know, um, on one of my podcasts, uh, Feeling Film, The Black Label, you know, we're four black film critics, and we're discussing cinema and black cinema and, like, and how we relate to it. And I've always craved, while I crave representation, I always want to crave the type of representation that does not perpetuate a lot of the tropes that were created in Hollywood and what that ends up doing is enabling that line of thinking where you have a studio executive that ranges between 50 and 80 years old. They say, all right, they're looking at this film uncorked on paper. They said, well, this isn't black enough. Well, one, (laughs) you wouldn't know. Sure. Two, unfortunately, what they perceive as black enough is what Hollywood has told them this is black, right? And right now, from two, you know, from the late '90s to now, what is the definition of black enough in regards to what's black enough that translates from the black dollar, right? What's sure. going to grow that is is Tyler Perry. Yeah. So if it's not that, then that's not black enough. Yeah, they don't know what you to know, do because with it. honestly, uncorked is the type of story that may not necessarily sell, right? Right. And it's unfortunate, but it's only unfortunate because we don't have enough of these type of stories to let the people know that there are other things outside of that. Sure. Right? And and that's the part that's really tough. Um, You know, I had a little viral moment a little bit earlier this year with the photograph. And I said, what has me most excited about this movie is that it is a black love story with two darker skinned black leads. And the story is not, is not um, set around their blackness. Yeah. They just are allowed to be black yeah. right like when you have when harry met sally or you've got mail i just watched those recently it is not defined by their whiteness no it's just two characters that find love in a unique way yeah they just so happen to both have meg ryan in it right yeah 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's 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 like that's what we want. So with this story in Uncorked, this family could be any family. Now, it doesn't mean that we need to like hide their blackness, right? Like that's not what Prentice Penny is like, you know, getting at. It's just they're allowed to be black and allowed to, you know, look a little bit different than what Hollywood says that it could. Sure. Yeah, and, and obviously in the same article, because I had the same thought, especially because the movie opens when they get into the restaurant finally, yeah. you see a picture of Obama on the wall. And one of the things that Prentice Penny said was, I wrote this in the Obama era where you you had no excuse anymore, where you can't say, well, why would uh, a black person in Memphis want to be a sommelier? Well, we have a black president right now. We could do anything. And it's yes. kind of like painting all these. And, I, and that's why I'm surprised that there isn't more of these out there. Or hopefully there are. And hopefully this is the start of mm. something. Because this, you know, obviously it's not my culture, yeah. not my experience. But in the same way, I felt, you know, kind of it, it should be an empowering moment to, to a whole community. And I felt that. I was actually, it was so much a story at ease with itself. That yeah. it, it's an enjoyable watch, especially right now. I mean, it's it's food porn on top of the fact oh, uh, oh of gosh. all that, and obviously wine <sighs> is flowing in my house. So you know, <laughs> everything is kind of comfort food. I remember uh, you saying uh, that this kind of felt like a soul food update to you. Yeah, this was like soul food, but for a new generation. Where you know, soul food, you know, back in the mid '90s was a tale of a black family who loses their matriarch. And essentially she was the rock to what made the family, you know, kind of operate. And when that's taken away and it's funny because it's set around soul food, but a little, essentially what kills her is the fact of the food that we put into our bodies and all that other stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, you know, it's kind of like, Oh wow. Okay. But like ultimately what they ended, what they had to find for themselves that even though that she was gone, her still being around and how she impressed upon each and every one of them that didn't go away. Sure. Right? And I thought that that was equally important as in this story, you know, absolutely we have, you know, we have a great loss that rocks this family. And it's not something that I honestly had no clue about it. And I thought that was really, really great. Cause in soul food, you knew that kind of going in. Um, but with this film, I didn't know at what the angle was. I didn't know if this was something that he's been doing for a long time. No, we are kind of, you know, with Elijah at the beginning of the story as he is understanding this, um, this invigoration. And I love how he painted the portrait when, you know, um, his, his, his love interest in the film. Tanya, like, yeah. Why? Tanya, yeah. why? He's like, I grew up with nothing. And when I smell this wine and I think about this wine, I'm able to travel there because I never was able to do it before. And I think that's like so beautiful. It's like when we were told when we were kids, when you're a book, you can go anywhere, you can be anywhere you want when you read a book, right? Right, yeah. And they tell that to us when we're first and second and third grade, but then life gets on us. So we, we put these, you know, these roadblocks on it. Yeah. And this is a man who, you know, is, he's obviously been the kind of kid like me where early on in my life, I didn't know what I was doing. I wanted to try everything. Right. And that would frustrate my uncle because, <laughs> yeah. you know, being a black man, you know, born in the 60s, you did you were not allowed to think that way. No. And that's tough. It's and survival. It, it really was. And, you know, the fact that he talks about legacy, and keep in mind, you know, um, Lewis is a successful black man yes. in Memphis. And let me tell you something. I don't know much about Tennessee. I've only been in the South for five years, but I don't know if Prentice Penny is from here, but how he blends in this story, this love of this city, 
I think was really, really cool. I felt like I was on a tour while watching the movie as well, where he really wants you to see this city that's fully lived in with these, you know, these characters, and they're not cartoons. Well, for the most part, there's a couple that's in there. <laughs> but like, that's, like that's but yeah, for there are some characters. Yeah. That's that's for comedic effect. And um, I, I I love how the city feels. I love the mood that it gives. The way that the camera will travel from one side of the street to the other. You know, Lewis will park his red pickup truck on one side. Get get my this man is probably successful. He has he has a successful enough business where he's got one location been there for decades he's gonna open up a whole nother location right but yet he's still reserved to take that one that one truck you know why because it does its job yeah and he's the type of guy that doesn't need to try to extend himself or do anything more and it's hard for him to come to the grips that his son wants more and yeah. that more may not include him yeah i i i tried to highlight a a few of the scenes and i absolutely agree with everything you said one of the things was uh the cinematography really lit up this movie for me, especially being a first-time director. The the people that he assembled to really mm. kind of capture everything, it felt like you know the montages had a lot of almost like hip hop video influence, but then almost yeah. you know steered it right back into you know kind of the realities and really setting a tone and a love letter to Memphis. I absolutely yeah. agree with all that. Um, but and one of the few scenes, like you were saying, with uh, you know, kind of, you know, some of the relationships, some of the way they set uh, all these things apart. Yeah, I think the first scene that I wrote down that was like a really good scene for me was the father-son argument in the garage after the party that they throw for Elijah, where they're trying to raise oh, money, man. and yeah. everything in that scene is everything you need to know about mm-hmm. this movie. I mean, between the legacy stuff, how yeah. all business he is, the the hurt that he feels in in not being able to to move things along to his son. Uh, you know, that he can't even bring, you know, even <laughs> basic tidings to his son as he's about to yeah. go to Europe, which I thought that was very important, too. I mean, the Memphis stuff is important, but the Paris stuff is equally important because, mm-hmm. like you said, A, this is, again, not something typical of seeing, uh, you know, African-American kid going abroad. I mean, I can't think of no. one example off the top of my head. Um, and obviously, uh, it's also a nice example of, you know, kind of seeing that there's a normalcy to it over there, too. The, again, it's not like he went and he's a fish out of water. Or he's trying to climb up into the white people's work. No, he's there and he's, he's excelling. There. And he's yeah, he's going to struggle like any other student. But that's it. He's just like oh any gosh. other student. Speaking of which, that scene, to, to write the scene in that way where with the audience, we don't know, where we're thinking like it's like his first day on the job and he's just getting everything wrong and it's like a mock restaurant. Yeah. It oh, was that done was... so well. That reveal was like, oh, snap. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, it, it was so interesting. Now, I, I will say the, the character, he, oh man, he was on uh, How to Get Away with Murder. He was the what I thought was going to be the antagonist in this film. Oh, Harvard! Quickly, uh, the guy yeah, from Once Upon a right? Time, or excuse me, Once Upon a Time, uh, Orange is the New Black. I went with yes, the acronym in my head yeah. <laughs> instead of the person, but yeah, I did not know what his angle was because it was it was interesting. It was he was kind of set up as like, all right, here comes the rival, here comes the nemesis, yeah, and yet he was so he was so quick to like. There's real. There's not a lot of contention inside of this film traditionally right like yeah. he harvard should have been set up to be that but he quickly wasn't yeah and was look because he knew that like essentially like elijah was pushing him 
Um, and it was weird. Like when he offered to like, you know, I'll pay half your way. I was like, I was like, yo, I don't know where this film is going. Like, are they, is he into him? Because like, right. you just don't see yeah. men in general don't do that yeah. just out of like a whim, even if he if he has the means to. And then obviously it sets up this hurdle where you know because of the relationship that he has with his own father and the expectations of how he's to live his life, yeah. that he has to be called back. And I mean, that's and that's really really tough. Um, it, it's and he's there and he's just he's kind of stranded, but like still wants to stick it out. And then you know ultimately when he gets that bad news everything just kind of it goes away and the, and and I, and I I didn't know it was interesting on how there's like these conventional story beats that films like this would take and I don't think it follows that a lot um especially the way that the movie ends sure. like it's it, it's like all right but I, but I dug that so much. I, I like how different this movie feels and the way that it sounds. I mean, the music throughout the film, I think, is, is placed really, really great. Um, and even the comedy blends up well. This is not one of those films that is a laugh-a-minute type of story. No, but it's and funny. And that is, honestly, it is funny. Yeah. It is hard to sell that to black audiences because we've been conditioned that we need to have a joke on the page, like on every page. Yeah. Right, it's really, really tough. And if you're not going to give me that, then I need you to give me a story that's a romance and has some drama and stuff like that. And that's just that's just how it's been built. So it's going to take a long time to kind of reprogram people's minds. So there needs to be more uncorked. And like there was a little symbolism in like, and I thought we were going to go into it. He he does it, and I, I, I would interested to ask him why when he first is talking to um to Tanya inside of uh, the liquor store. Mm. Um, he talked about like how important the cork was. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, we the never really got thing. into yeah, it, yeah. right? He, we never got into it. I was like, yo, that could be the big thing of this entire movie. I want to know how important the cork is. Like, that's, he named the movie Uncorked. And, Fair. Ah, like, it's it's crazy. I never thought that I would kind of get this giddy about a movie about wine because like, yeah. I'm not a big drinker. And like, the way that he was making the correlations between Jay-Z and Nas and Kanye yeah, and stuff, like I'm that. like, yeah. ah, this is so good. yeah. The Drake of wine. I love that shit. Drake of wine. <laughs> He's in his feelings. <laughs> but one of the things you keep bringing up and we keep talking about uh, is something that also isn't very common, unfortunately, in, in African-American cinema. Father-son relationships. I mean, how many yeah. of these movies that we saw, especially like our generation, like in the 80s, 90s, whatever, everything was about broken homes and, mm-hmm. and the crime or the decisions made from people who are relying on only their mother or being raised by their grandmother or something like that. These, you know, kind of almost broken home scenarios because either a father's in jail or a father's a deadbeat or a father's dead. You know, it's always something like that to cause the strife in these movies. Yeah. And this has an absolute backbone and a heart based on, you know, a simple father-son relationship that, you know, simple is usually not what is what you see from these movies and it's a refreshing thing to see that it's it can be complicated and normalized uh, oh, through yeah. cinema. And the other thing uh, you were saying too is that maybe we don't see these things a lot in film, but I think we are seeing them in TV. And I think that's the beauty yeah. of having a person giving a shot to someone like uh, Prentice Penny to, to give them their first feature because, you know, a, mo- a show like Insecure is one of those examples where they can kind of normalize like a regular relationship comedy uh, or dramedy like and put it on HBO and 
it's not weird that it, you know the main characters are of different cultures than just some you know white comedian gets a new show. It's like no no no, check this show out. It's got heart. It's got you know normalcy. It it's it's different than what you're gonna see on you know uh, a sitcom uh, you know yeah. on, on the network TV. You know, and I'm glad yeah. HBO is doing something like that. But now it's becoming more common. Hopefully, if Prentice Penny wants to be the voice for it, by all means, please. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm excited for everything else that he has going and to kind of touch on your point in like how different just the two mediums are in film and in television. And it boils down, unfortunately, to commerce as to why we don't get more of those stories. I mean, the the TV dads that I grew up with was Bill Cosby. You know, um, it was, uh, um, oh my goodness, uh, Carl Winslow. Yeah. It was Uncle Phil. Like, and these were positive. Why you black, don't want you know, me, man? No. Oh my God! <laughs> what you don't want me? And the way that like and, and so it's like you know well, why was it so hard to have those translate to the big screen? Well, black audiences they weren't able to take their you know their families to the movie theater, but there's a TV in the home, right? And it's the most easy and accessible, so it's easy to be able to kind of market those shows. I mean, I grew up on UPN, yeah, yeah. And when WB and stuff like that was on, like Channel Eleven up north, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Channel Eleven and Channel Nine, like that's you where bet, I'm gonna be man. able to get content yep. that looked like me. And you know, you talked a little bit about Prentice Penny and his background working in TV, and like one of my favorite sitcoms, is Girlfriends, and the fact yeah. that he was, you know, a producer on that and stuff like that. Like it's, it, it, it's, it's the stuff like that that works on TV, and, and I, and I'm, I'm hoping that more films like this break the stigma of how hard it is to kind of get that to the big screen because I think it's deserved to be there. Yeah. Um, this story is, it's really relatable. I mean, the fact that Harvard himself was dealing with the same thing, but like this wasn't his story, sure. right? Um, and, and this was Elijah's story. And it, it's it's interesting about like, it's, it's a story about the, it's about identity and the relationship between your father and your dad. And you know what? I don't think it's, it, what I loved about it is that it's not saying that one person is more right or more wrong than anyone else. Yeah. And I really, really enjoyed that. They both had their reasons for like, and they were both sound in their reasons. Yeah. Like my father built this for me. Yeah. And this has a legacy and it means something to the community. And it's like, I, my dream was to pass this to my son, to keep this within the family. And that means something. Yeah. Right. You know, I think we all like were born with that. I want to give something to my children. And like, you know, maybe like if we see like a, a sequel in 15 years, like Elijah's like, you know, like what, what, what does his being a Somali do? Like, what does he want to like grow that to? And is that something that he would want to gift to his son? And then what will the world look like when the way that we think about the world changes again? Yeah. You know, for a lot of Gen Xers, we had a very, they had a very limited scope on depending upon, you know, where you were regionally and how you grew, grew up demographically. There's a certain cap to what you could do, for sure. As to where millennials and you know and stuff like that, it's it's a little bit different, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I I love seeing that battle, and I love how the film ended, and I, I thought it was really beautiful. It it didn't have to spell anything out, which I, and I love endings that are like that. They're yeah. kind of left up to a a little bit of ambiguity. I mean, it's not the spinning top, you know, from Inception <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. But it's just saying like, you know what? We saw Elijah acquiesce to his dad. Yes. And then we saw his dad acquiesce to Elijah. Yeah. That, 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 that compromise. Yeah. That's important to a relationship. Yeah. You know, it doesn't always have to, somebody has to win out. Right. And I thought that was really beautiful because that's real. Like that's real, real life right now. Yeah. And, you know? and to your point, I mean, uh, to be honest, how I felt about the ending, and I don't know if this is just my background too, but like 
because <laughs> to be honest, like uh, Princess Penny said, there are a bunch of white coming of age movies all the time. Uh, I actually liken this movie if like Soul Food met uh, Good Will Hunting or October Sky. I don't know if you ever seen October oh, yeah. Sky, but like yeah, October okay. Sky is kind of like you know the coal miner like Midwest version mm-hmm. where it's like, no, you're going to be a coal miner. You're going to do this. Or mm-hmm. and this person is like, no, I'm looking to the stars. I want to be in space. Yep. I want to be a rocketeer. I want to do all these things. Uh, you know, thinking bigger is always a, a, a good story to listen to, and yeah. and it definitely has that kind of feeling. And in fact, the, you keep mentioning the ending. The first thing I thought about was the Goodwill Hunting ending. I almost wanted to call this episode like, uh, I, "Sorry, fellas, I need to go see about a grape." Because like it kind of <laughs> felt like that, where it was you know, because he, from the moment he kind of stands up his dad, uh, and calls him and says he's not coming in, and then his dad kind of smirks, knowing he's going to go back to what he truly loves, and he's not yeah. going to be here. He mm-hmm. has that feeling that Chucky did when Chucky goes up to the front yes. door and kind of is like, because he always wanted to have that moment to where he's not there and he's left town. And he doesn't know where he, he just hopes that he's out doing something better than the shit life that they had. And obviously this yep. is not a shit life. Mm-hmm. So, but understand me, it's not his life though. And, yep. and, and that's all that matters in this story. And to see him kind of, go right back to where his passions lie is what is right for this character and like you said a very more unique version of an ending for this type of movie oh absolutely and and and, and if we haven't said enough shout out to all the performances in this i mean from courtney b vans to mama dude athy to niecy nash i mean yeah um you know i'm, I'm working on a bonus pod of kind of doling out if this is all we get this year because of covid19 <laughs> yeah. this is the this these are the oscar worthy performances i've seen so far and she definitely gets a nod from me in regards to her supporting performance we i mean when we were first introduced to niecy nash from reno 911 yeah. This is leaps and bounds from what we ever thought was in store for her. Yeah. And I love this more dramatic turn that she's taken, you know, with her film catalog. Obviously, she's been uh, getting some like, uh, you know, TV, you know, awards buzz on that Claws show that's on either, I think it's TNT or TBS. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, she she brought some range here. She was still able to kind of be her and her unique sensibilities to how her performance is. But then like in her embattlement with cancer, this story, this is a kind of like side story that I did not know was going to be a part of this film. You know, she really brought something there. And, um, you know, obviously with the, you know, they got the, I forget the young brother's name. I played JT. Um, he was <laughs> doing in, his best Kevin Hart impression. <laughs> pretty much, you know, kind of like short manic, you know, he's been on a couple of TV shows and stuff like yeah, that. It's Bernard the David one, Jones. He was in the Bernard mayor David on Jones. ABC. Yeah. Yes. I kind of half like the mayor. <laughs> you know what? I liked him and the other guy that was a friend. I did not like the mayor. Right. And then. TV is trying to make that actor work because he's had like two or three other shows. <laughs> yeah. uh, God friended me. Oh, <laughs> That's okay. That's not yeah. really working. Yeah. <laughs> and he's on something else now. But um, the the only other character which I, was just a little bit too much, too too little too cartoony was um, the other guy who like you would think is just kind of like this you know feeble. Uh, I want to be a Somalia too. Oh, uh, Richie. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes his scenes would go on a little bit too long. The joke would kind of lose itself. Yeah. But like that's that's a little nit. But but like this is a really good ensemble piece, and it is so refreshing because this is really early, and to, to have Mamadou Athi have this type of leading performance. Yeah. Um. This like if you look at like Black Sin, you don't get this. Not not at this age. He's you know. Um. So it's really interesting because like from what I've seen him do, this would not be the film that I think. Oh. 
lead in this type of movie? Yeah. You? Yeah. Like, what I've seen you in, like, you, you're not a Derek Luke. No. <laughs> you know, you're not a Tay Diggs. No, you're not um, Omar Epps even from my, you're not, you know, you're not going to you know be in so, Love and Basketball. No. You know, so it was, and plus his voice is so, dis- it is very different. Yes. It is very, very different. There's, I mean, folks in my community who say, oh, you got a white voice, you know? He's got a Just calm he, to him that I appreciate. Exactly. He's a, he's very eloquent spoken. Yeah. You know, and, and very like distinct in his diction. So like, and that's, that's a bit uncommon. You're like, you don't sound like you from Memphis. Sure. No, definitely <laughs> you know? not that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but it was really refreshing to be able to have that. We, we need to see more of these differences on screen to tell us that there's not all, and not everything has to be one thing, you know? Yeah. Like, I, shout out to this movie man great this is great no i definitely thought it was a coming out party for for mamudu athi i mean i actually liked him well i like the show a lot he's not a huge piece but he's a big enough piece him as grandmaster flash in the get down uh i liked him in that role i watched one episode of the get down i was like i don't know what this is <laughs> <laughs> well wh- i said this this kind of like dream like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, when you're trying to do the boogie down through, uh, you know, uh, the eyes of a guy who did Moulin Rouge, I mean, you're kind of playing with fire. But weirdly yeah. enough, uh, that first season definitely grew on me, and I enjoyed it uh, as because again, they pulled out all these actors that I really didn't know, and Mamoudi Athi was one of these guys, and I just fell in love with that cast it was so well done uh, i mean i know the cat like, i mean the cast was dope i, f- I forget the um a uh, couple of uh, some of the young lady performances there but what i mean you had uh it was it yaya abdul mateen was in there right i believe so yeah i think so man it, it, it really i mean definitely it was a, it was a really it was an interesting uh was that justice smith too yes right mm-hmm. yeah he was like the, yeah he's like the yeah. lead in that yeah yeah you know what now that i have a lot more time in my hands I think I'm gonna. I mean, granted, it's not coming back no more. But yeah, uh, right. I, I need. I need to. I, I do. I, I hate starting something and not finishing it. Sure. So I will somehow get around to it. So I do need to because I would like to see more uh, of Mama Duathi. So um, that's that's my goal on him. Yeah. Well, he was. You know, he's been working a lot with Netflix. So I apparently I'm gonna yeah. see more because he also did a Unicorn Store uh, that came out last oh, man, year I as that well. Last year. With Brie Larson and Sam Jackson, I need I need to catch up on that. Yeah, it's not a great movie. He's good in it though. Um, <laughs> he's he, good he's, in it. Yeah, he's a breath of fresh air uh, in a very stale movie for me. But the you know, but again, I think this is the coming out party for him. And just watching him, I never I've always felt like at ease watching him. It was such a calm, cool, collected guy that yeah. is like you say, he's a very well spoken guy. He's you know. But he knows who he is, and, and this movie definitely shows all the different types of characters he could play, a lot of different emotions. There's a lot of different range here, as opposed to a lot of times he's being a supporting character. He's being a character yeah. actor. So to see this kind of come through where he can take a full arc of a story and really pull it off, I was very impressed. And, and the fact that he's got... Um, you know, it's again another supporting role, but he's going to be in the Jurassic World franchise, uh, oh, you know, yes, coming out with Dominion next. So, you know, he's got he's starting to build a, a career here, and obviously he's still young. But man, I would love to see him, you know, get a chance like like a Timothy Chalamet type, you know, where it's like, yeah. where's that? Like, is this? I hope this is not. I mean, this is a good movie. I enjoyed this movie yeah. a lot, but I hope that he can get some kind of level of a prestige movie to build off of, because I think he deserves to be recognized in the young Hollywood 
uh, you know, with people like that. I think he really can get there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm, I'm not too sure how old he is and stuff like that. He's got a distinct look that he can play younger. Um, I think Shamik Moore is kind of leading a little bit more of the charge. And like that, that you know, around there to be able to kind of, I can play high school, I can play young, you know, young college, stuff yeah. like that. I can play a little bit older. And like you, you kind of, I will say this, Netflix is building a stable of actors that are on, on, on a lot of different projects. I mean, you know, obviously, uh, what, Shamik Moore did a Netflix film last Let winter. Let it snow, yeah. Let it snow. And I ended up being more indifferent about it, but I also understood exactly who that film was made for yeah. and what it was doing. Not us. And it was not definitely it was it was not us, no. you know. Um, it, it was not. It's us. a YA novel it. adaptation, so it, I'm like, yeah, okay, it, yeah. okay. Yeah. So you know, but like, but see, like, I I am self aware to know, like, I'm not going to be like one of those pretentious critics and be like, this is public. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Like, no, 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 this isn't for you, jerk. Right. Like, it's the same thing. I just watched um Code Eight on Netflix. Sure. And like, while it's not a Netflix original movie, um, and it came out last year, but like, it's finally making its way. Yeah. It was built for a general audience, right? Yeah. And, you know, I can try to attack it from like a critical lens. And I'm not going to say that would it be fair. It's just like, it's not the point. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's really not actually Code 8. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, but no, I, I mean, Uncorked, I, I can't wait to see, you know, more like it. Um, I, I definitely need to get that Wikipedia so I can see, try to try to track some more from it um, so we could stay away from uh, the fall from graces that came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and again, I hope this isn't the end of like, you know, this movie came out at the end of March. So I obviously they didn't. It's not like they put it in a position of in that prestige back half of the year. It's not no. that kind of movie for them. Obviously, yeah, this was this wasn't you know Dolomite is my name. No, um, and it wasn't it it, I don't, it wasn't it wasn't ever intended to be that. Um, I think this was a good testing ground. Um, I'm trying to think because I've, I've been a little bit more acute to what Netflix has been doing the past couple years and. I kind of see this is like in the vein of the unicorn stores and the horse girls and like kind of like that that medium range of where they would kind of like these like to see these more like this is not an art house film right in my opinion but it's also not it's not the why it's 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 own it's in its own little pocket of Netflix films yeah. right yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's really unique and kind of understanding more how the studio operates. Um, it's going to be interesting to see like how everything evolves going forward yeah, to it. Yeah, you know. So that's it's it's especially as they're attracting more and more filmmakers to kind of play in the sandbox. And who knows? You know, flowers from the Tiger Moon, whatever that new monster <laughs> season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. May, may, may end up over here too. Uh, but nah, it's. It's an interesting approach, and uh, I dug this uh, quite a bit. Well, Netflix agrees with you as far as uh, your assessment of like where this kind of lies, because we just came off of the Sundance dump, as I like to call it, where they put all their oh, yeah. stuff that you know they brought there, or they uh, you know mm -hmm. uh, maybe acquired there that is you know kind of the stuff that maybe works or they're not too sure of, and then they just throw it now, and then the stuff that they got huge buzz about. Uh, mostly in the documentary side is going to be stuff for later in the year. Um, yeah, obviously they released Crip Camp, which is a very good movie. But the uh, you know uh, mostly like the big stuff. Is, like, is Crip Camp is it is it a doc? It's a doc. Yeah, it's the Obama's okay. production company. Uh, okay, where you know it's a great story. I definitely recommend that. But like we did just come out of you know 
like Lost Girls and Horse Girl and a lot of these they took to Sundance and they knew like okay these are somewhere in that vein of that film festival that Sundance vibe you know yeah but this movie didn't come out of the festival circuit this is them coming out of the the Sundance release stuff and now this is kind of where they're kind of like we're not sure how this is going to play but we're enthusiastic yeah. we didn't want to put it when it was all the other festival stuff coming out or the dregs oh, yeah. like Spencer Confidential or something um. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's always interesting because like you know I spent so much time in the theater and and last year I I I I made a goal to try to watch every new release. And I know I would never get to it, but like I in like the the 95th percentile. Like I watched 146 new movies wow. at the theater yeah. for 2020. And um like everything that mattered, like I saw. Only, only thing I don't watch is I don't watch dog movies. <laughs> that, that's it. So any dog movie, there were so many that came out last year. I, I, I had no no time for that. So no Call of the but Wild like, for you uh, this no, year. No, 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 no. Oh gosh. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but like it's um it, it's it's interesting because I always try to see but what would this have done if it went to the movies, right? Sure. And you know, I'm, that's where you know sometimes I have. I don't say I have frustrations with Netflix. It's just a misunderstanding of like the, you know, their, their business practice. This is the type of film that unfortunately, because of what we talked about, wouldn't have the best life, you know, in a you know regular theatrical release. No, absolutely not. You know, um, there's too much that it has to do to make the dollars back to make sense. So, um, it, you know, Netflix can get knocks in some other ways, but like it's good. Like this is, they are saving the mid i can't even call this mid budget because it's I, I i can't imagine this film would cost more than 10 million bucks again i can't imagine um, no you know and, and 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 that's a testament to the performers and the way that you can approach you know during a story but like this this is good to deserve some money will it get like a 20 million dollar opening no it wouldn't It'd no. probably get somewhere between like you know five to seven if that you know we'll just the type of film this is and the type of you know the, the the, the material that they're covering like just to know like oh it's a black dude who likes wine right <laughs> yeah I, I, okay right <laughs> you but know they, what i mean you would have probably seen it marketed differently too they probably would have played up the yes. black family angle kind of yep. trying to push towards the soul uh -huh. food angle that you were kind yeah. of saying uh to really kind of sell this movie uh yeah. so you know things would be vastly different if this tried to have a theatrical release um, but I think the production value here is solid considering probably what was the budget, but shout out to, uh, you know, the people at, I, the names will sound familiar. The company will not the Argent pictures people, uh, which, uh, they, they produced, uh, Hacksaw Ridge and birth of a nation. Um, but the names you'll recognize are Drew Brees, Tony Parker, uh, Michael Finley, uh, oh. Derek Brooks, I believe, or not Derek Brooks, uh, there's a, there are basically a couple other football players and basketball players are associated. Yeah, yeah they all joined in uh, as investment uh, opportunity to, for art films and now are putting out major. So if you go back and look that at the opening so credits, I was like, Drew Brees? What the <laughs> fuck? So, so I paused and I was like, what is going on here? And I guess they are all. I completely missed it. I will say. I, I know. I guess there's a there's a button now. I haven't put that thing on where you disable the trailer from the next thing oh, to roll yeah, on. Because yeah. I'll never be able to watch credits at the end of a movie. <laughs> yeah. I gotta put that on because I was like, oh, what the hell? All right. I guess it wants me to watch Tiger King again. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I will probably. So <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. But no, I, I I found this the the look of it impressive. The performances yeah. are impressive. The the depth of it, and then just the the tone that it sets and the type of movie it is. I I, I was I thoroughly enjoy it, and I owe it all to you, sir, because you uh, kicked it hey. from being like in the queue to being on the screen. So I appreciate awesome. that, and I definitely wanted to hear your thoughts uh, uh, as anyone can or anyone should uh, follow you on Twitter at Colby Tolman. And obviously you have a, a whole array of podcasts, <laughs> either by appearance or of your own that you co-host. So tell the people where they can find everything and, and what you what you're pulling off here in the film world. Hey, man, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be able to bounce off um, this amazing conversation about a film that I was excited for. I was even more enjoyed after watching it, and this has been fun. But, yo, you can follow your boy. I'm on all the socials, at Kobe Told Me on Twitter, Instagram, and I'm on Facebook, at Kobe Mac. You can hear me host the Feeling Film podcast, uh, The Black Label. It's a film critics roundtable for the culture and co-host the Minority Support Film podcast with my bestie, uh, your world's favorite Egyptian, and then my bestie's wife, who sometimes gets on my nerves but i love her um <laughs> so yeah i'm a busy man but yo ultimately whenever they ask you where you heard it from you tell them kobe told me excellent man i am so happy we could do this and you know normally i would be like oh man you'll have to come through sometime but obviously you being in, in the dirty down there man uh this is the only way we'd be able to do it so i'm this is it we're we're, we're we are zooming and skyping uh for, to the near future so uh yeah just if I, if I could tell him, yo, stay inside, stay safe, practice social distancing, be responsible for yourself and others' safety, and uh, we'll get through this. Yeah, uh, this is this this. I feel like we need to just like you know put that uh that that uh Bill Pullman, you know, speech from Independence Day. <laughs> we will not go silently into the night. <laughs> That's what I need. That is the type of president that we read right, that we need right now to get us through this pandemic. Well, you're not the only. <laughs> I was uh, quick aside. I was on a walk with my kids. Uh, going out for a short bit just to get him out of the house and we i had a car pull up next to me who was pulling in to work unfortunately it was a person who had to work in public and they were mm. blasting with their windows down uh survivor by dusty's child <laughs> and i was like yes that is yes. absolutely the song that i need to hear yeah. every day when i wake up maybe just you know yeah. i'm a survivor and everybody yeah, this pandemic know, it doesn't have a theme song yet somebody's gonna cook something up in the <laughs> somebody's gonna be cooking something it up right now i'm pretty sure we need a, a covid 19 2020 uh pandemic theme song oh people are trying my spotify uh account keeps telling me <laughs> these new releases and it's like something related to it. i'm like nah i'm not ready for that yet i'm not oh my God. i don't and i don't want no we are the world bullshit either i don't I, no, no, nobody no. wanted I we're, we're, unfortunately gal gadot no. <laughs> got time <laughs> in that imagine you know covered whatever but yeah no oh bless their hearts i know <laughs> well <laughs> Lovely to talk to you, man. You are a delight, and I'm, I hope we could do this again soon. This was a lot of fun. That'd be dope. Yes, sir. Thanks, man. Thanks.